Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in Las Vegas, Nevada. Chiefs a winner, 25-22 in overtime. Pat Mahomes, amazing. He's your MVP. 36 of 46 for 333 yards, two touchdowns, one bad pick. He was also the Chiefs' leading rusher. Nine carries, 66 yards. With all of the accolades, he didn't want to talk about the offense. He credited the defense that held the 49ers to 19 points in regulation. People are going to talk about the offense because we had those last few drives. The defense is what kept us in that game, and that's our entire season. They're going to give us chances, and we're going to make it happen when it counts. Kansas City trailed at halftime and it looked bad. Kelsey in the first half even hit Andy Reid. Yes, kind of run him over with a chest to the shoulder and almost knocked down hit. Andy Reid, however, laughed it off. He caught me off balance. I wasn't watching. He a cheap shot, but that's all right. He did good. He was really coming over just go, just put me in. I'll score. I'll score. You know, so that's really what it was. Two huge decisions in this game by Kyle Shanahan. Both went against him. Number one, they won the toss in overtime and elected to receive they scored a field goal by not going forward on fourth down. Chiefs get the ball. They march down and score a touchdown. Kyle Shanahan didn't want to talk about it. Just gave the Chiefs the credit. Uh, yeah, it was two real good teams. Uh, went back and forth throughout the whole game. And um, both teams played their asses off. But um, and then they got it done. Up next for the Chiefs, they're at home September 5th, probably against the Baltimore Ravens, possibly the Cincinnati Bengals. Schedule comes out in two months. Suns, a loser. 113-112 on the road at Golden State on Saturday. Devin Booker actually scored 11 of the final 13 points of the game for the Suns, and he did it in the final two and a half minutes. He finished with 32 points and six assists. The catch was Steph Curry. He hit a crazy three-pointer with two seconds left. Up next for Phoenix, they're at home tomorrow night taking on Sacramento. Coyotes lost 5-4 in overtime on the road in Nashville. They were up 4-2 in the third, couldn't hold down. Now they got a five-game losing streak. They're eight points out of the playoffs, and they need to leapfrog five different teams to get there. Yotes take on Philadelphia tonight on the road in Philly at 5 o'clock. ASU surprised Utah 85-77. Jose Perez, 21 points on 7-11 shooting. Same thing for Andre Miller. He went 7-11 of for 17 points. The catch was Miller's came off the bench. Looked good for the first time in a long time for the Sun Devils. Up next for ASU, they're home against Oregon State. That game is Wednesday night. U of A, they got a win as well. They crushed Colorado 99-79. Only had nine turnovers in the game. Ballo had 16 points and 13 boards. They had four starters and double figures. Now, unlike ASU, who has a game before the rivalry game coming up Wednesday night, U of A, they just sit back and rest before the Sun Devils come to Tucson coming up on Saturday. GCU, they destroyed Southern Utah, 94-65. Grant Foster, 18 points. GCU won the Battle of the Boards, 50-29. to The Lopes are now 22-2. They're off until Thursday when they're home against Utah Tech. It was a rowdy Waste Management Phoenix Open. Not just 16, most of the entire back 
nine. Lots of golfers upset about it. One of them was not Nick Taylor. He birdied 18 three straight times, once to end the round, and then in the two playoff holes. Now, Charlie Hoffman also birdied 18 in the first playoff hole, didn't do it the second time, and Nick Taylor is your winner. He came from three shots back with four to play at the end of the fourth round to win by tying it up at 21 under. And finally, meet Nina Denson, principal, San Gabriel Elementary School in Los Angeles, California. She had a crazy idea for an active shooter drill. She would be the active shooter. She went around the school holding her finger out as if it was a fist pistol, like we all did when we were kids. It was just the principal walking around shooting children with her finger and then saying, boom, you're dead. The principal left seven victims, killing them with her finger until those dead students came back to life and then told their parents, the superintendent is investigating. Unplugged Army, attention! All right, admittedly, that might be a little bit over the top, but I'm jacked up for our next sanctioned event at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're going to be there on February 23rd. It's a Friday. Noon is the official time for our first set of tee times. We've got the whole course from noon until 1.30. You got to go to unplugged at whirlwind.com click on the events tab. Normally playing golf in February at Whirlwind is $260. But thanks to Sweet Lou, we get the course for $109 plus tax. It is a tremendous savings and it's only available to those of us in the Unplugged Army. If you're not able to make it, I'm going to be eating kind of a late breakfast there around 1030. So I'd love for you to stop by Civilic represent or maybe get a beer with me right after the event is over i'd love to see you friday february 23rd at whirlwind golf club at wild horse pass feel the wind i'm janelle general manager of bell's nashville kitchen aka the whiskey wizard bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food we are a scratch kitchen with chef inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of arizona our nashville hot chicken sandwich now the drinks I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Okay, this is hilarious. I have no idea what I'm doing. Like it's been so long since I tried to do this. This music might be way too loud. It might not be loud enough. There's no producer. It's 1043 in the morning and I'm back in my wife's office. And I have to tell you, I totally love this. It's good to be home. Oh my goodness. Good morning, even though it's not morning. Good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that normally drops on your phone each and every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of H, ECU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. So what do you think of my second show today? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. What a, just not good. Just absolutely not good, Unplugged Army. But I feel 
I feel so good talking to you right now. The energy is exploding. Yes. Can you tell in the microphone? Can you tell this, this quality of mic? I, I have so much to tell you. Um, this is a tough discussion because I feel a level of loyalty to you that you will never even remotely understand. I, I don't care if you're just a casual listener to Doug Franz Unplugged and you're kind of thinking, boy, you're kind of weird the way you treat listeners. No, I that is true loyalty that I have to you and how much I appreciate you. But I got to move my mic a little bit there. Sorry for the noise. But uh, I'm just point blank. I'm not happy. Uh, I'm really, really frustrated. And on the one hand, it's unprofessional for me to talk about how frustrated I am. Because if you're frustrated with somebody, go to that somebody and talk to them about it, right? I mean, don't put stuff out on social media that you're upset. And that's kind of what I feel like doing, telling you that I'm upset. At the same time, my loyalty to you and you in a sense, carrying my family forward by being a hardcore listener, you bring more to the table than I could ever imagine. I, I, I owe you a level of honesty that I can't tell which is right. Be bluntly honest with you or follow proper professional protocols. I mean, it's really one or the other. So I've decided to just kind of go 80% honest with you and kind of hold 20% back to try to stay somewhat professional, if that makes sense. Um, but bad decision by uh, WTSM, really, really bad decision. And I was a part of it, so I deserve a little bit of the blame. But we were paying rent at a building near I-17, and CEO Chris made the decision, you know what, let's not pay rent for another month. Let's get out of there as soon as we can. So we left at the end of January, started at our new location. Fantastic decision to move. Much better situation than we're in right now. It's a little difficult for me, but I got to learn to suck it up. In our new building, there is a wide open room that both Izzy, Steve McCollum, and I all broadcast from the same room. So when other people come into the room to work on their show or work on the lights or the cameras or stuff like that, man, that really bothers me. I, I don't like it. I'm, but I'm a radio guy. I'm used to just being in my room and focusing on what I say in my studio. And I got to learn to suck it up. But I admit I don't like it. Well, the decision to do this backfired because I didn't know this, but you can't get Internet into a building until you've signed a lease. That's when they'll come and set it up. So instead of signing the lease and waiting until the internet was set up, we moved without it and thought we would just use our phones as a hotspot. Well, it only took us a couple of weeks. We've used all the hotspot data and we can't really do things to the level that, that I demand for the show. And so now who suffers you do. And today the show was not recorded properly for the first 20 minutes. So I wasn't live with audio until 6.20 this morning. Then about 30 minutes later, a few or a power strip blew or some kind of few that was hooked up to everything. Like everything was hooked up to one power strip or something like that. I might be getting the story a little wrong, but then the power blew and then we were without power for 10 minutes. And then they got it back up and running. So when they gave me the audio of today's podcast of the original version, the first 20 minutes are gone and a 10 minute block is gone. 
And I really shouldn't say that. They didn't give me the first piece. So the first like 45 minutes of the show have just disappeared. And I, I don't know how else to tell you. I am so pissed off about that. It is so below the quality that I expect from something that I want to give to you. So I'm really, really upset at, at the station right now. Um, but to tell you the truth, like I said, they asked me, what did I think back in January? Should we try to save the money or should we, you know, stay? What do I think? And I said, let's just go. I think it'll be better in our situation and we can just suck it up. And he thinks a hot spot. Well, I said that looking at it through my prism as a talk show host, I'll suck up not having internet to do my job. But that doesn't mean if we don't have internet to actually post the shows online in a timely manner to get the sound that we need to properly do Doug Franz Unplugged to the level that you expect. I never thought that part would be sacrificed and it's totally been sacrificed. It's supposed to be fixed by the end of the week. Um, I just felt like I owed you that explanation. Uh, I hate for CEO Chris to listen and find out how upset I am through the show. You know, that, that, that's a little unprofessional, but I had a tough decision to make of, Hey, I got to get home. So right now it's 1049 in the morning. I've already done one version of Doug Franz unplugged this morning. Now I'm doing a second version. So I got home, uh, sometime around nine o'clock and then downloaded a bunch of sound like I used to do in the middle of the night, got done with that uh, by 10, and I went to the bathroom first when I came home. So it's really from 9.15 to 10, I was organizing all of my sound. Then from 10 to 10, you know, 30 or so, I worked on the four-minute offense just like I used to, and then now I've started talking to you. I have to admit, it's really good to be home again. I don't know what it is. I don't know if you feel the same way, but just sitting in this room when there's no one here, I do a better job connecting to you than I do when I'm on television. It's really cool to be on TV, to be able to show the plays and talk about them. But this is what I was born to do, you know, sitting in this room and, or really being a radio. I mean, this is what I love. And uh, boy, just coming back here again to do the show, even though it stinks that I'm barely going to get this show up before lunch today. I have to admit it makes you, it makes you think, you know what I mean? It makes you think long and hard about my future when I sit here and I just enjoy sitting in here so much. And I had forgotten how much I, I enjoy it. So thanks for your patience this week, this month. And, and I hope it pays off. I hope it pays off for both of us, but I just had to be blunt with you uh, about today. So because of so much of the show getting wiped out, I, I missed out on almost all of my Super Bowl talk. So here's what's going to be weird about today is I'm going to jump into the Super Bowl, talk about that for a while. Then on the podcast, I'm going to hit a commercial on, on this audio only version of the podcast that I'm doing for you right now. I'll hit a commercial, and then when we come out of the commercial, I know this will sound a little choppy, it's going to go right into the portion of the show that was televised today, that WTSM gave me. So sorry for that weird confusion, but I think that's the best thing for me to do because I don't want to not give you a full show. That's unfair to you for you to listen, but at the same time, 
uh, I've already done the two hours. So I want to get to the stuff that we didn't get to that, that you've missed out on from the TV version and then jump into the TV version if that's okay with you. So let's, uh, let's get rolling sound credits today. KMBC is a channel nine in Kansas City. I got a lot of stuff from him, uh, from them. Uh, 49ers.com and NFL.com, their YouTube pages. I got a lot of stuff from them. And uh, when we talk Suns later on, I got that from Dwayne Rankin's Twitter handle. It doesn't sound great. He doesn't plug into a malt box, but I, I wanted some of the comments of Frank Vogel. And I believe that's everything. I believe that's everything. That's, that's, uh, that's what I got for you uh, sound-wise today. All right, let's roll. Doug's Big One. The Thunderbirds are one of the classiest organizations ever to exist in the history of the city of Phoenix. Their desire to grow the Waste Management Phoenix Open to unlike any event on the entire golf circuit is totally a credit to them. I applaud all of you gratefully as a member of this community for how much charitable money goes out from your organization due to the fact that you've exploded the waste management Phoenix open. So until last Thursday, let me, let me say thank you. Now, Doug's big one today. My number one opinion that I've got for you is the waste management Phoenix open and the Thunderbirds have totally screwed up and it's way too huge. And if they can't get a handle on this thing and get it more organized for the patrons, then they've got to gut the thing. The reason why I'm so strong on this is I think the golfers should suck it up when it comes to 16. I don't care what happens on 16. Suck it up. I I shouldn't say I don't care what happens, but pretty close. That is a hole that I love the explosion. I love 20,000 seats. I have no problem with getting booed when you don't get it on the green and all of the drinking. That's, that's, that's high entertainment. That's a great, great event. And I, I think that's okay. And I think the golfers need to suck it up on 16. I don't think people should be falling from skyboxes, but I think, I think the golfers need to suck it up on 16. I started to get a little leery this year when people were booing just because they weren't close. They get the ball, they get the golf ball on the green, but not close enough for the fans, and the fans started booing. I thought, wait, that's not the tradition. You're being a jerk. But okay, knock yourself out. You paid for it. The problem for me was the rest of the tournament. 17 holes should still be a golf tournament. The, and I don't mean hole 17. I mean 17 holes. There still needs to be class amongst the patrons. It still needs to be quiet. And I don't think the Thunderbirds, the volunteers, and listen, the volunteers are there on the direction of everybody else. I don't think they did a good enough job of controlling the atmosphere on all the other 17 holes. Really, namely the back nine. Even seven was a little rowdy. It was almost like you couldn't get over to 16. So since you couldn't get a seat, you'll just bring your booze to seven. And they were doing that throughout the event. That's not golf. I'm not saying it needs to be the masters, but there's got to be a level of class. There were people honestly trying to screw with the golfers. And I just think that's a joke. I, I, 
I totally have a problem with that. And I realize this, this opinion is probably pretty unpopular. Why wouldn't you want to explode the biggest tournament in the world? Why wouldn't you want more money going to charity? Listen, if you can't handle the crowd, then you shouldn't have that big of a crowd. And they failed this year. I think the TPC Scottsdale was fantastic. The condition of that course, considering the weather, was phenomenal. Hats off to every single human being that was a part of it, of the grounds crew. And Thunderbirds, I want to tread lightly because I don't want to be a hypocrite. If I was in your organization, which I never will be invited, and I don't say that rudely, I just know my financial situation is not going to be there. But if I was in your organization and I was presented the ideas of exploding 17 and 18 the way you did, I would have said yes. And I would have made the mistake to assume people would have behaved like it was a, an actual tournament. I would have made that mistake too. So I deserve the same ridicule I'm giving the Thunderbirds because I would have made that mistake thinking, why not grow this? Why not expose more people to golf? Why not donate more to charity? Go, go, go. And then I would have realized this was wrong. After Thursday, it's wrong. And by Friday, I would have done whatever it took to get more volunteers, give out more rounds of golf at TPC Scottsdale, do whatever it takes and get more people into the stands yelling quiet, please. Getting more people to calm everybody down, to do a better job limiting alcohol sales, do whatever it takes. That was bad. And I hope the Waste Management Phoenix Open and the PGA Tour come together and realize, okay, we screwed that one up. Now, what's our plan to make it better? Should we scale back 17 and 18? Or can we keep the exploding skyboxes on the other holes? Can we keep growing this thing in a way that dictates this is the behavior that's tolerated on all holes other than 16? I mean ejections. I don't care if somebody paid $150 to get into that skybox. You're out. You can't keep it together. You can't control your alcohol consumption. You can't shut your mouth when someone's trying to play. You're out. You get ejected. That's how you deal with it. Eject people. There were a lot of people that deserved to be ejected over the weekend, and they weren't. Again, I am telling the golfers to suck it up on 16. I don't care, really. For the most part, I don't care what they do. For the most part. 16 is 16. That's the tradition. That's the party. You go there. I'm not asking people to be quiet. I'm not. It's 16. Deal with it. But the other holes, we got to have a golf tournament. Obviously, your opinion matters. That's why tomorrow's Town Hall Tuesday, Doug at DougFranzUnplugged.com. At UnpluggedDoug, if you want to post something to me on Twitter, I'd love for you to include the hashtag Town Hall Tuesday and Unplugged Army if you could, capital U, capital A. And then at the same time, there's also um, Instagram. You can post something there at Doug Franz Unplugged. We'll get all three, organize it together, and Izzy will read them coming up tomorrow. Now, this is going to be fun and weird at the same time. We'll talk Super Bowl 58, but obviously doing it from home. I don't know if you ever knew this, but I talk, and there's no way for me to play sound while I'm talking. 
There is, but it's very difficult, very labor intensive and just takes too long and it's not worth it. So the way I do it is I talk and then I actually stop talking. I cut and paste a piece of sound, drop it in and then start talking again. It's a little weird. So it's going to be weird to go back to that. So hopefully I don't sound real choppy. I got used to doing it and made it so it never sounded choppy. But now on WTSMTV.com, I just say blah, blah, blah. And then I point at the camera. And then that's when Izzy or Jeff Weir production will actually play something. Now I'm back to playing it. So it'll, I have to stop every time I play something. So I hope I fool you and it doesn't sound very choppy. Uh, I I guess the number one thing to talk about Super Bowl 58 wise is the performance of Kyle Shanahan. This is a fascinating subject to me because Kyle Shanahan, I do think is a very good coach. And I even think he's going to win a Super Bowl. But when it comes to crunch decisions, he really screws them up. And it's hard to really break this down because think about it for a second. Every game is a big game in the playoffs. And Kyle Shanahan has won a ton of playoff games. He's been to the Super Bowl once as an offensive coordinator, twice as a head coach. And getting there three times at that young of an age means he knows what he's doing. He's made difficult decisions many times that worked out to get the 49ers there. But on the biggest stage, he has made some of the biggest bonehead decisions. And it leaves you shaking your head. You have to wonder, can you handle this? Are you ever going to be good at this? I, I think that there's a lot of ignorance in what I just said. Think about it. You're good enough to get somebody to the Super Bowl, but can't do anything when you get there. Well, then you couldn't get there. I mean, really think about that for a second. If you're a choker, you would choke constantly in the playoffs. You would do well in the regular season and always fall apart in the playoffs. You don't win huge playoff games time and time again and then just choke in the Super Bowl. At least I don't think so. (laughs) And yet that's what Kyle Shanahan is doing. And here's what he had to say about his decisions. Okay, there's two big ones. I'm sure you saw the game. So the two big decisions are decision number one, overtime, you elected to receive... So you're not like a batting, like a bat, like a, uh, like in baseball, you're not the home team. You're not batting in the bottom half of the inning. And you also made the decision to not go for it on fourth down. You decided we're just going to kick the field goal and then give the ball to Pat Mahomes with a three point lead. So here's what he had to say about those two decisions. The first question has to do with him not going for it on fourth down and kicking a field goal. Then you'll barely hear it, but then the question shifts to deciding to receive the football to begin the OT. No, we never thought about there, fourth and four. I mean, even if we do go and score, they still can go down and match it. And um, so, no, there wasn't a thought there. Uh, it's just something we talked about with, you know, that none of us have a ton of experience of it, but we went through all the analytics and talked with those guys, and we just thought it'd be better. We wanted the ball third. Um, if both teams matched and scored, we wanted to be the ones who had the chance to go win, and um, we got that field goal, so we knew we had to hold them to at least a field goal, and if, if we did, then we felt it was in our hands after that. All right, let's go with the second decision first. I'm really critical of the second decision. I I should say it's the first decision he made, but the second decision uh, on that sound clip there. 
The decision to receive, I think, is a major, major mistake. And the reason why is you want to know what you need to do. As long as you feel like, and this is important, you don't have a soft quarterback. I'm not ripping Brock Purdy at all. I love Brock Purdy. Maybe Kyle Shanahan is deciding, I want to protect Brock Purdy. If he thinks Brock Purdy cannot execute under the pressure of knowing Pat Mahomes just scored a touchdown. Like, imagine that. You decide you're going to kick off. Pat Mahomes gets the ball. He marches down. He scores a touchdown. Now you're down 7 nothing. Do you want to put Brock Purdy in that pressure situation? Maybe he didn't want to put Brock Purdy in that pressure situation, and he's not going to tell us. That's actually not a crazy idea. Hey, I don't want to be down 7 nothing and then say, here, Brock Purdy, go win us a Super Bowl. I, 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 I can't put a second-year quarterback in that situation. I get that, but it's probably right not to say it. Maybe you don't say it out loud, okay? I understand that thinking, but I think that's a case where a lot of people outthink the room, okay? The reason why I would not have wanted to receive that is simply because I want to know, do I, can I win it with a field goal? Did I get a stop and I can win it with a field goal? Did I not get a stop and I've got to get a touchdown? I want to know that. Now, before I go deeper into this, Dan Orlovsky of ESPN's Get Up did a much better job describing this than I did. Listen to how he phrases it with Pat Mahomes. Yeah, major component in why they lose the football game. And going into overtime, we were in the booth, and I said, no way that you take the ball first. You want, you want to give Kansas City the ball and make sure because what happens is you give the other team another down. Right when they took it, I said, you're giving Mahomes four downs that you have no shot. You know, I don't care how tired the defense is because I've heard people say, well, the defense was gassed. Figure out a way to go out there for one more potential stop. If the worst-case scenario is Patrick drives them down the field, you get the ball back, and then you still have control of the game. You can still, at some point, if you want, go for two. So, um, mistake by Kyle Shannon, the 49ers. It's a fascinating point. It's kind of what I meant by saying, you know what you need, but I, I just didn't think about it as well and clear-cut as he is explaining it. If you don't score or you just kick the field goal or even get the touchdown. No matter what happens as the result of your offensive series, Andy Reid knows I have to go for it on fourth down. So with your field goal and you're in negative territory, you know you can't kick a field goal, but you know if you punt, you lose. So now here's where it helps you. Third down. If it's third and eight, it's not a true third down conversion. Don't go for eight yards. Don't push it down the field. It's okay if you have fourth downs. You now, by going second, have four downs to get a first down. You never have to make a decision. So now all of your third downs are set up to make sure you can get fourth down. Sure, if you can convert first down, second down, or third down, of course you're going to do it. You're not going to say, well, I have four downs. Only get eight yards, please. No, no but it makes it so much easier as a play caller to know no matter what, I'm going for it on fourth down. It actually makes it easier for the players too. Hey, go for the yards, but make sure you secure the football. Make sure you get yourself open first. Don't be afraid to run in front of the sticks. 
If it's third down, you're thinking, I can't go past the sticks. I got to stay past the sticks so I can make sure. And you have all these. No, just catch the ball and then turn up field and go. So you made life easier for the second greatest quarterback of all time. Yes, I said that. I'm putting Pat Mahomes over Peyton Manning. Brady's number one. Now, for me, I looked at it as in, I just simply want to know. But I didn't put it together. Like, I kind of assumed that meant I could, you know, I could dictate what I'm going to do on fourth down. But I, until Orlovsky started talking, I didn't really break it down mentally of how much, it e- how much easier it is as a play caller to know. I have three downs to set up my fourth down conversion. And anytime I get a first down, boom, I still have three downs to set up my first down conversion or excuse me, fourth down conversion, as opposed to I've only got two downs and now I've got to get it on third down. So massive mistake. And it's interesting with the way, if you remember what Kyle Shanahan said, you know, we talked about as a staff, we don't really have a lot of experience with this. That means you've got bad people in the room that nobody thought, wait, we're playing the Chiefs. If we receive, do we realize what we've done for Pat Mahomes? And nobody said that. Now, let me talk about the other decision. The other decision was kicking the field goal in the OT. I I admit to you, I'm about to be a blatant hypocrite. I think it was the wrong decision to kick the field goal, and I think I would have done the same thing. I don't want to sit here as a talk show host and say, oh, you're an idiot, blah, you know, and act like I know better. If Kyle Shanahan coaches against me, I lose every time, every single time. So this is not the old hindsight. I'm better than everybody else that a lot of talk show hosts like to do uh, on a day like this. I think 97% of the time, the right decision is to kick that field goal. Get points on the board. Don't let the other team know all they have to do is march down and kick a field goal. Make sure they know. They feel the pressure of, if you only kick a field goal, we're going to go right back down. And I think you know this, but in case you don't, if the Chiefs would have kicked a field goal to tie it up, now it's sudden death. And all the 49ers have to do is, is drive down, kick a field goal, they win the game. And I think that's what the 49ers are looking at. Hey, if we can just hold them to a field goal, we're tied up again, and now it's sudden death. And Kyle Shanahan even said, I want that third possession. So we both end up tied after one possession. Now I've got the third. I think 97% of the time, kicking the field goal right there is a good decision. To me, however, this is in the 3% because they've got Pat Mahomes. They've got Pat Mahomes. If they have Pat Mahomes, if they have Tom Brady, if they have Peyton Manning, or they have Joe Montana, I think you go for it. I think you have to assume you lose the game if you kick a field goal. I think you have to assume the magic of their guy wins. He gets the touchdown. Since they're going to get a touchdown, you have to think we're going to get a touchdown. And it's another reason why, going back to the previous discussion, it's another reason why you kick off instead of receive. Because it's not like you're going to score a touchdown and that's going to intimidate Patrick Mahomes. Pat Mahomes is not scared by what you did. You, it's good to go first. If you don't think your quarterback can hack it, it's good to go first. When I say go first, I mean receive. If you're sure 100% their defense is exhausted and you want to attack them immediately because you just drove down the field before, 
And it's good to go first if they've got a quarterback that's got a history of choking. If the other team has Jimmy G, I want to be clear. I'm going first. After this wonderful speech of me saying I want to bat in the bottom half of the inning, if they've got a guy like Jimmy G, if they've got a guy like Jake DeLome, I'm going first. Because I believe that guy will choke on his drive. So I want to score to put the pressure on him to make him realize the rest of your life is determined by what's going to happen in the next few minutes. I know you'll fail. When they got Pat Mahomes, I'm kicking off. So I know what I've got to get. And then I've got four downs. If the, if the thing happens, just like Dan Orlovsky said, if it happens like we assume that Pat Mahomes drives down and scores a touchdown, at least I know I've got four downs the rest of the way. And a great play caller, and Kyle Shanahan is a good play caller. A good play caller is going to be able to say, all right, same thing. Now I have three downs to set up a fourth down conversion. And if I don't want to go into this battle with Pat Mahomes again, if I'm saying there's no way we're going to hold Pat Mahomes to something less than a field goal, and they're going to be able to march down and get a field goal, guess what I get to do? Now I can go for two with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Jennings, who was on fire, and a running quarterback like Purdy. I get to go for two and determine whether or not we win the game. And I don't have to give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. Both decisions were sheer failure on the part of Kyle Shanahan. Doesn't take anything away from the Chiefs. That doesn't mean the Chiefs don't deserve credit. None of that. You can look at it both ways. Like, I I see a lot of people go, oh, man, quit, quit blaming Kyle Shanahan. Give the Chiefs the credit. Why can't you do both? It's two separate topics. The Chiefs deserve all the credit in the world for winning back-to-back Super Bowls. They deserve all the credit in the world to hold Kyle Shanahan in that offense I just listed with those weapons to 19 points in regulation. They deserve every ounce of credit. And why doesn't that mean that Kyle Shanahan screwed up? It does. Kyle Shanahan screwed this thing up. Yes, everybody's responsible. Christian McCaffrey, you can't fumble. Brock Purdy, you can't go three for 12 on third down. Offensive line, you can't have some of the bad holding penalties that you had at key situations. Offensive line, Jennings was open in the end zone, but Jones got back there into the face of Purdy, forced him to throw it too early. Now Jennings doesn't get the touchdown. Like everybody on the 49ers, and honestly, just about everybody on the Chiefs did something in this game that could have been the reason why their team lost. It doesn't, I just look at coaches more so because they're the ones that aren't getting hit while they make decisions, right? And and what's interesting is one of those decisions, the decision to receive, you had two weeks to prepare for that decision and still screwed it up. Bad move, Kyle Shanahan. Now, what's interesting is that meets for Kyle Shanahan as an offensive coordinator and two times as a head coach. He has been in the Super Bowl with a double-digit lead. And he's 0-3 in those situations. He's got a double-digit lead, and he can't win the Super Bowl. Wow, is that interesting. Coach, how do you look at that? Um, and this is my second game as a head coach, but um, I think when you go against guys like Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes, you better never feel comfortable with the lead. I mean, those are two of the best players to ever play the game. And that's why whether you have a lead or you're down points, it's, I mean, those guys are always in it. You watch them all the time do that stuff. I would be okay with his answer if he just would have stuck with, I'm 0-3 in Super Bowls against Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes. That's it. 
no one's going to have a problem with you losing to Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes. In my opinion, the two, it took the two greatest quarterbacks of all time to defeat you. And if you want to just stick to that, that's okay. Even though I said earlier, I do think Kyle Shanahan is going to win a Super Bowl. I am a little hesitant to back up my own opinion when I hear that ignorance at the beginning of that. Well, 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 I, um, and this is my second game as a head coach. See that? Hey, only judge me as a head coach. You were the offensive coordinator of a team with a three touchdown lead and you were chucking the ball all over the place and you cost the Falcons a Super Bowl. It wasn't like you had an offensive head coach and you're calling plays and he's allowing it. You had a defensive head coach who gave you total autonomy to call the Falcons plays. You coached the Falcons offense into a loss. You did check out the play calling. You did not run the ball. You did not eat clock. You did not play smart football. And you kept giving Tom Brady multiple chances. All you needed to do was first downs. But you didn't want first downs because you wanted to be cute. You wanted to go for glory. You wanted to show everybody what a great play caller you were. You wanted to show everybody why you deserve to be a head coach. And now you want to throw Dan Quinn under the bus. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I might be 0-3, but I've only been the head coach, you know, once before. Okay. Okay. So it's Matt Ryan's fault. It's Dan Quinn's fault. It's that defense of the Falcons' fault. They did their job, Kyle, and now you're trying to throw people under the bus. Not a fan of the way he's handling it. Doesn't mean he can't learn from it. Doesn't mean he can't change. But he, I think he choked more in the presser than he did on the field. All right, that's wrong. <laughs> Maybe I just choked. That's just me going off a little bit. He did not. He choked much bigger with the headset on than he did sitting in front of the microphone. All right, let's look at it from a Chiefs point of view now and and how things went. Here is Andy Reid with his opening comments. Um, Appreciate everybody showing up. Um, What a great experience. I appreciate our guys for the great job that they did, the players and the coaches. Defensively, our guys came out and played their hearts out like they've done all year, kept us in the game, and then the offense just kind of persevered through it. Uh, tough in the first half, tough sledding, and they did a little better. We did a little better in the, the second half. Um, and then, obviously, the last drive was a thing of beauty. And, uh, and in all of this, uh, congratulations to the 49ers for being here. Kyle is a uh, great head football coach. The 49ers are lucky to have him. And um, what a game, right? What a game. It, it could have gone either way. And it was just one of those one of those games. I feel fortunate to have been on the, the positive side of it. So he's the offensive guy, and yet he says, good job, defense. You kept us in the game while the offense sputtered, and he congratulated the other team. There you go. Incredibly classy from Andy Reid. And of course, the typical media question, which, you know, I accept somewhat. Are you a dynasty? Yeah, it's a little bit surreal, but I think uh, I'm back to back is um, rare error for this football team and this organization. So um, it's, uh, you know, I got asked so many times, is it a dynasty? I don't know what a dynasty. I mean, you guys, you're the, you know, you have the thesaurus. So, I mean, you've figured out, but it's, uh, it's a great, to, great, it's a great win. It's because I know how hard it is to do and then how hard the season was, the ups and downs of the season and how proud I am of the guys for just hanging with each other, uh, staying positive with each other. 
the defense, the young guys grew up, and but nobody ever pointed fingers at the offense when the offense was growing, and it, it all kind of came together during the playoffs and uh, worked out well. And great leaders, and Patrick and Chris and and Trav and the job you know that they they've done. Uh, they're they're passionate players, man, and I love that. And even if they chest bump me to the other side of the 50, I mean I've. I appreciate it. I just love that the guy wants to play and wants to be in there playing. And he knows I love that. So he makes me feel young. I have to admit that one, that one spoke to me a lot. Now you might've just taken it as as something simple, but you know, he he first talks about the dynasty and blah, blah, blah. But the reason why it spoke to me after that is he talked about the guys sticking together and he both means that through the regular season when the defense struggled and the offense couldn't catch and in this game when the defense held it together but didn't point fingers and the offense just took a while to get going I admit I am so I'm in a weird I'm weird emotionally right now I'm so upset that it's Super Bowl Monday and we as a TV station don't even have internet to give you the podcast on time. It's now 1127 in the morning and I'm still not done and it won't be up until lunch. You know what I mean? I mean, that really upsets me and it's through no fault of my own. It really is a lot of other people's fault. That pisses me off. Yet, do I stick it out? Do I say, you know what? Suck it up. This is a growing pain, just like the Chiefs. Stick with the people that I care about, and let's build from this. Let's trust them to learn from it and move on. That's a very difficult decision, because I'm also thinking of my family. Like, if if this is how we react to Super Bowl Monday, then this isn't good for my family. But am I really being fair? How many times have I screwed up? in different situations, and somebody had the faith in me to keep going. Oh, yeah. That's that's what's pulling at me right now. It's really, really pulling at me. And Andy Reid, as sitting on a Super Bowl throne, talking about how much these guys pulled through and stayed together with each other, that really speaks to me. That really, really speaks to me. And it's a good challenge to you, because I think that's one of the hardest decisions in life. Every time in your life where you've decided when it's really ugly to stick with the people that you're with or make the decision, you know what, this isn't right. And I believe that that's a tough decision. And sometimes you do have to bail when we're talking about other things other than marriage. Marriage is the one thing that I look at it and say, unless it's abusive, suck it up, figure it out. You made that commitment. Go through with it converse talk about it don't be the reason why it fails and i i i really believe that in marriage but man of course it's none of my business there are lines and if if things are happening that you've got to get out that's none of my business but i don't think enough people in the country work hard enough to make sure the marriage works i'm not saying that about you i have no idea what your situation is but it's really important to me to just you know, when it comes to marriage, do whatever it takes to persevere. Um, here's Andy Reid just simply talking about Pat Mahomes. And while you're listening to this, keep in mind, this is a supervisor relationship. This is a boss and an employee relationship. And I can't wait to talk to you about both ends of this. 
Okay. So if you look at what Pat, or excuse me, what Andy reads about to say about Pat Mahomes, I want you to listen to this as an employee. Does your boss say this about you? Yeah, I think you guys can appreciate him. You get to see him, uh, what he is. I mean, there's no facade there. He's uh, He comes to work every day, uh, humble, wanting to be great, challenges the guys around him to be great every play, and never flinches. You drop the ball, we'll get the next one. Or listen, I need you in this spot right here. It's not like chewing them out or any of that bit. Um, and likewise with the penalties. Okay, well, let's keep our hands tighter. Let's not grab. So, you know, but he, he's, that's the way he operates. A pleasure to coach. Absolute pleasure to coach. He focused on the leadership of Pat Mahomes, and he focused on the fact that he's a pleasure to coach. It's a pleasure having him as my employee. If you are an employee, let me ask you simply, is that how your boss would describe you? Are you a pleasure to have as an employee? Are you a leader who has no problem organizing other people and speaking to them in a positive way to get more out of them? Does your boss know that you do that? Okay, that's one part of the relationship. Now let's flip it. For those of you that are employers, okay, I don't know if you were sitting there listening to me talk to your employees and saying, hey, start to bring it, do better. And you're like, yeah, yeah, tell them, Doug. Well, listen to what Pat Mahomes says about Andy Reid and ask yourself this question, Mr. Employer. Do your employees talk like this about you? I mean, he's one of the best coaches of all time. I believe he's the best coach of all time. I mean, I know he doesn't have the trophies yet, and I have a lot of respect for some of those great coaches. Um, but the way he's able to navigate every single team he has, um, continue to have success no matter where he's at. Um, and for me, he brings out the best of me because he lets me be me. I think that's that's important is he doesn't try to make me anyone else. I, I don't think I'd be the quarterback that I am if I didn't have Coach Reed being the, my head coach. Um, and um, and, he, he, and that, other than that, he wants you to be the best person you can be, and that's something that I think is uh, truly special. Does your employee say you're the best boss of all time? Does your employee say they wouldn't be the foundry worker, the welder, the office manager? They wouldn't be the employee they are if it wasn't for the way that you run things and the way you treat them. And the number one thing that you do as an employer that affects that employee is that you let them be themselves. You give them the tools and then you trust them to use it correctly. Is that you? How about the juxtaposition of those two points? Andy Reid talking about his employee is a delight to coach. And the employee saying, he lets me be me. And he's the best to ever do it in his opinion. Well, that's a great lesson for all of us right there. I, at least I think so. Now, it's easy to run the shop when you've got a guy like Pat Mahomes. Let's face it. Here's an example of this. I think you know the story, but in case you don't, Pat Mahomes is drafted by the Chiefs. They traded up in front of Bruce Arians. They knew Bruce Arians wanted him. Great. I mean, one of the most embarrassing decisions in the history of Steve Kime to not anticipate the teams that needed quarterbacks and both the Texans. Granted, we didn't know Deshaun, Wat Deshaun Watson was weird, but. Houston and the Chiefs both traded up in front of the Cardinals to get quarterbacks. So the Cardinals didn't pass on Pat Mahomes, but they didn't aggressively go get him. They waited, sat back, and hoped he got there. 
and then look like idiots for doing it. Well, listen to this. They draft him, and they've already got a quarterback in place that got them to the playoffs. Alex Smith was originally the number one pick overall in the draft by the 49ers, and they decided they couldn't quite come through and win with him. Alex Smith under Andy Reid has a total renaissance, and the team is a playoff team. Patton Mahomes didn't get the start until the last game of the year of his rookie season. And it wasn't like a start that we said, hey, you've earned the start. It was, we've already got our playoff position locked in. A loss doesn't hurt us. Let's rest our starting quarterback, and let's give you the opportunity to learn. That's all it was. Now, they already made the decision that Pat Mahomes was going to be the starting quarterback the next year. But they still decided to do it this way. So Pat Mahomes spent a whole year basically learning under the old system. And now that he's a three-time Super Bowl MVP and champion, he still looks back to what Alex Smith meant to him and the organization. Yeah, so it's, it's culture, man. I, I got brought into this culture. Um, Alex Smith was leading this team. Um, they had the, the pieces in place, and Coach Reed was the, the ultimate leader. And I got brought in, and I just kind of try to exemplify that and, and keep pushing to be even better. And um, that's why in moments like this, we had guys come through, and um, it, it truly is special. It really is special um, just to, to be able to say we're back-to-back champs. Man, that's an easy guy to coach, huh? And I just love the fact that he still gives Alex Smith the credit. I hope Alex Smith feels that. All right, um, I, I guess the the last thing that would be of excitement for the team is the fact that Mecole Hardman is the one that scores the winning touchdown. Think about this change in your life. He's a jet to start the season. Hardman was originally drafted by the Chiefs, so they know a lot about him. But they cut him. He signs with the Jets. He plays for the Jets for a little while. Jets cut him. And the Chiefs bring him back because of some injuries and some drops. They want to give Miko Hardman a, ch- a try. That's pretty gutsy to do that. Here is Andy Reid on the guy that won, in a sense, the game by getting the touchdown in the OT. Well, he, listen, he, he was cut and we brought him back. And that's, that's a tough thing. That's tough to handle mentally. And he came in with a positive attitude and just said, hey, I just want to help you guys win. And we kind of know what he does best. And, um, uh, you know, Nagy does a great job of putting him in positions. And really, he's got that mastered with that kid, uh, where to put him and and how to use him. So um, you saw that. You saw it tonight. He was cut, but he came in here and just said, what do I need to do to help us win? Wow. You take a shot to the ego like that. The Chiefs, a Super Bowl winning team, basically say we can win it without you. You go to the lowly Jets. You're considered to be so bad, one of the worst teams in football, one of the worst offenses in the history of football, thinks that you're part of the problem. We can do better without you. We're one of the worst offensive teams in history, but we can do better without you. How's your attitude after that? Chiefs give you another chance. You say, okay, I don't have a job. I'm jumping on that. And you come in humble. Not bitter that they cut you once before. Impressive. Impressive. Right, Pat Mahomes? I've played with Cole for a long time, man. He's always ready for the moment. Um, and he's he's someone that continues continues to 
practice hard and, and get better. And obviously, that receiver rotation, we were bouncing around a lot of guys all year long, and um, those guys just continue to work. And I mean, just like last Super Bowl, man, it's like you never know who it's going to be. It's about everybody being ready for the moment. Um, and and he was he was ready for that moment in a couple of big plays. That's cool. That that's really cool. Um, obviously, the Chiefs were terrible offensively in the first half. Uh, Andy Reid, what'd you say at halftime to be able to get off to a fast start and also shut down San Francisco's offense for most of the beginning of that third quarter because they didn't score until the fourth? I didn't say a whole lot. Just keep going. Uh, halftime, it was we're right there. It feels when you're in the Super Bowl, you're down by seven points. It feels like twenty, and so uh, you, you got to just kind of calm it down and we're, we're right there we're getting the ball to start the second half and uh, everybody just hang with each other and, and good things can happen so and that was kind of the message the guys the guys were saying that these the three of them talked the night before um Kels, chris and Tre- and uh, uh pat and they they did a a great job of communicating that you know it's a brotherhood stick together you know the, we're playing a good football team they're going to be highs and lows in this thing just hang together and good things will happen and that's what they did it's another lesson for all of us. Life is hard. Let's not act like it's not. It's not always going to go our way. But we've got to be able to persevere. How often in your life have you been down by a touchdown and you felt like you were down by 20? Yeah. What do I feel that, huh? With me getting fired? How about you? You feel like that? You might feel like that right now. But truthfully, you're only down by a touchdown. Okay. It's all right. We'll get through it. Come to an event like February 23rd when we're going to be having a great time at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Meet somebody there that might change your life. You never know. If you can't make it, I get it. It's a sanctioned event, so I'm going to, I'm going to get squirrely with you. But man, you see what I mean? By the way, I'll talk about it a little bit later in the show, but unplugged at whirlwind.com. Okay, the last thing on the Super Bowl that you need to know about, and I think this is a big deal. I don't like the way Andy Reid handled it, but this is a guy that's won three Super Bowls. What do I know? Um, I don't think it's right what Travis Kelsey did. Early in the game, Travis Kelsey upset he's being taken out of the game and just chucks Andy Reid, like runs into him chest to shoulder, almost knocks him down because he's that upset, and he gets physical with Andy Reid. I... I don't think that's remotely appropriate. And I, if I'm Clark Hunt, I bring the two of them together at some point in the offseason and say, hey, I just want to be clear. I realize we're winning Super Bowls. I realize the dynamic between the relationship of the two of you is working, but I never want to see that again. I trust you, Andy, with all of his little fits and throwing his helmet and whining on the sideline. You handle that how you want. Travis... I don't like that you do it, but you are a competitor and you're a, you're probably going to the Hall of Fame. You might be the greatest tight end of all time. Who knows? But what you bring to this city and this team, we need that fire. I love you for it, but that can't happen again. And I just want you to both to know, I don't want to ever see that again. Is, is there, I don't care what your opinions are on this. I don't care how you explain it to me. Chiefs don't do that. Are we clear? Great. Thanks. Andy Reid sees it totally differently than I just said. He caught me off balance. I wasn't watching. He cheap shot, but that's all right. He did good. <laughs> um, he was really coming over just go, just put me in. I'll score. I'll score. You know, so that's really what it was. Well, I love that. I mean, it's not the first time. So, I listen, I appreciate him. I mean, it is funny the way he diffused the situation. And it is post-Super Bowl. Good job. But, man, the fact that Kelsey even thought that was acceptable 
I just, I don't understand the generation that they, you, you imagine doing that to Tom Landry, imagine doing that to Mike Ditka of all people, let alone the Belichicks of the world. I, I don't think that's right. I, I don't think it's right to let that go and joke about it. And, uh, and I think Kelsey really screwed up. And I hope he gets called out more than he has. But when they win, nobody says anything. Okay, that does it for the recorded version in my wife's office at the house once again for the first time in a year and a half back here doing the old school podcast. I love doing it. Thank you. So coming up next commercials, and then it's going to jump right into me finishing my points about the Super Bowl. If you're sick of the Super Bowl talk, since I just gave you, you know, a big chunk of it, then use the time cues and fast forward to when I talk sons, because what's next is you got more Super Bowl, then you've got sons, and then you've got versus Vegas. I would really appreciate it. However, if you give me some feedback on what you thought about today, if you listen to me being back in the office, uh, back in my, uh, my old school way of doing things because I really enjoy talking to you this way. Thanks for your time and thanks for your patience with our screw-ups today. I really appreciate it. More of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Worldwood Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, is next. The version that you could see on television is coming up. This time of year is absolute murder on your heating and cooling system in your home. Call Parker and Son, 602-2-REPAIR. Get a complete checkup. Here's why. You know what it's like this time of year in Phoenix. One day we've got 85 degrees, the next day we've got a high of 50. You're going from heater to air conditioner, sometimes in the same day. Get a checkup to make sure the routine maintenance is taken care of. Join the Parker family plan. Call 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602-THE-NUMBER-TWO. Then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. You got cover zero, which basically means man across the board. Cover zero, the great way to understand cover zero, cover one, cover two, blah, blah, blah. Imagine baseball, and that's how many outfielders there are. Cover zero means no outfielders, really. It means you are covering the wide receiver. You're covering every receiver with one guy, and if that guy gets beat, there's no help. There's nobody there. You are rushing the quarterback with everything that you've got. And that's what the Chiefs did to Brock Purdy. So you can't chip off of Jones. You have to believe you're going to be able to hold long enough to get rid of it. Now, maybe you look at Kyle Shanahan a little bit and you say, do you really want Jennings running that route against cover zero? Can he get open in enough time? And in this case, he can't. He couldn't. I don't mind the play call. The play, that part of it worked. You had an open receiver. Purdy put it up for grabs. You've got to rely on one of the better left tackles in the game to be able to hold up. One of the best, uh, an okay right tackle to be able to hold up in that situation just to get rid of the ball, and they didn't. And crap happens on third down. Boom, they kick the field goal. We could talk about, you know, my belief that they should have went for the end zone on the field goal attempt, but <laughs> again, I would have had the courage to do it myself if I'm in that chair. The other one from uh, Brock Purdy I think is important as 
what the Chiefs did, especially in the second half defensively. Why the slow start, Brock? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, I think first and second down, we just got to be better. Um, you, get, you get into these third and third and longs, and, and it's tough to convert um, in, in those kind of situations. And, and um, so just got to be better, I think, first and second down. Um, you know, there's just a couple plays where I feel like defense, you know, got the stops like they needed to. And, and then our first, like, couple plays were, you know, just either negative or, or we're not moving the ball. So um, it's as simple as that. Third down conversions. 49ers had three of them. That's it. They went three of 12 on third down. The Chiefs went nine for 19 on third down dramatically better you could even argue that's the difference in the game chiefs get the ball to start the second half and they go with a three and out that was actually the bad pass from mahomes i didn't even say three and out that's the bad pass from mahomes in the interception when i'm assuming he was trying to get it to travis kelsey and overthrew him and then here you go with the um 49ers okay penalty three and out 49ers second drive penalty three and out here is uh the 49ers then that took up the entire third quarter so the third quarter is over and all you've been able to do is have two three and outs fourth quarter they start the quarter with the ball because butker kicked a field goal to basically end um most of the third i actually got that a little bit wrong sorry about that uh butker's kick was with five minutes left i just didn't flip the page of my own notes <laughs> so, because it's on a different page that somehow meant in my notes it's the end of the third quarter I don't know why I said that so Chiefs get the ball for the third time in the third quarter three and out now Chiefs get the ball to end the third quarter and they do get one first down they sustain a nice drive and that's when Jennings gets the touchdown so you overlap third and fourth quarter they get a touchdown in the uh, in early in the fourth their next drive they're able to get a field goal but it's mostly because of a big play to be able to get the ball deep down the field um in order to set up the field goal then on the next one the that's the end of the quarter and that's the end of the uh, of regulation so you look at that they did get 10 points in the fourth quarter that was nice but they really only had one good drive in that quarter or in that second half, which was the touchdown drive. That was it. And lots of three and outs. And that shows me what the Chiefs were trying to do. The Chiefs did one thing that I admit I did not expect. I don't like getting all over coaches if I don't expect it either. I feel like that's hypocritical of me. Now, granted, I would like you to give me a little bit of room that I'm a husband and a father and I'm watching the Suns and I'm watching ASU and I'm watching U of A and I don't have access to the same level of film as Kyle Shanahan does. <laughs> so I, it's a little bit okay for me to mess up, but I want to be fair. I didn't think the Chiefs would play this much man. Uh, the Chiefs were in man defense a lot. And I think that's incredibly courageous. I think Steve Spagnuolo deserves so much credit in this game. When you take all of the weapons for the San Francisco 49ers and you hold them to 19 points in regulation and to a field goal on their only overtime drive, 
22 points in an overtime game. Wow, is that impressive. And then you look at how good that offense is. And the Chiefs were able to do that. And they did it in man coverage. They made the decision that Brock Purdy's IQ is so high that he's going to be able to pick apart a zone. But they thought they could get there through that offensive line in the time it took to cover in man. And they were actually able to man up and be able to get that successfully. I think that's really important. Taking a look at the, the stats, if you play man, that means we can shut down some of your weapons, okay? Well, let's look at it. Brandon Ayuk, six recep- uh, three receptions, 49 yards. Not bad, not great. Debo Samuel, three receptions, 33 yards. Debo Samuel was targeted 11 times, and he only had three receptions. That's fantastic defense. Like, if you would have went into the game, and really think about this, even if you don't have time to focus on football your whole life, okay? If you would have went into the game, would you have said the Chiefs have a good enough defense to play man-to-man against Ayuk, Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey? and succeed I wouldn't have said that I wouldn't have thought that no way but it worked Steve Spagnuolo was exactly right one of the hardest things for a good coach to do is be a good personnel man and when I say personnel to honestly look at your team and be able to decide what they can do well and what they can't do well and then put your players in a position to do that. Steve Spagnuolo in the last two weeks made the decision, we can handle them man-to-man. And I don't think anybody would have agreed with him. And yet he was dead on right. That's a very courageous coach to be able to do that. Because think about how dumb it would have been to lie to yourself say we're good enough to cover them find out you're wrong when you're a team that's mainly played zone for the most part this team likes to play zone because they believe we've got a good pass rush we're going to be able to hit your quarterback before your quarterback finds out where we're weak or maybe they don't believe in your in your receiver's football iq to be able to be on the same page with the quarterback. Where am I going to sit it down? Where is the soft spot in the zone? Who am I reading when I'm doing my read route? And where do I stop? And then at the quarterback, no, that's where you're going to stop. That's how a lot of interceptions happen in zone is a receiver thinks I should keep going and the quarterback thinks you should do what's called sit it down, which means find a window and stay there. Don't leave your window until I leave my pocket. If I'm the quarterback and I start running, now you move. But in a zone, find out where's the middle of the zone. So it's really simple. If I'm playing in a zone and I've got my area as a defender, okay, you've got your area as a defender. There's an area in between us that is the seam in the zone. And it's up to the receiver to figure out that seam. He's got to get in there and sit for the quarterback to be able to get him the ball. I've got to communicate with you. I've got to know I've got this seam you don't because if I go running over there to cover the guy that I think is open and you go running over to cover the guy that you think is open and we're both covering the same guy, now somebody's wide open. 
And if the quarterback's able to find that or move us with his eyes, we're both a dead duck. See what I mean? Man to man, it's simple. I got that cat. Okay, I'm covering this guy. Where he goes, I go, that's it. That's man to man. That's fantastic. And that uh, that's something that the Chiefs went in and said, we're going to be able to cover your guys. And I don't think a lot of people would have done that. I think a lot of people would have said the 49ers have too many weapons. You can't play man-to-man. And they did a fantastic job of that. Steve Spagnuolo has, is really, to me, the MVP. The defense as a whole is the MVP because they needed everybody to be able to do what they did. Jennings scores the winning touchdown. If Well, maybe not the winning touchdown because I still believe Mahomes would have driven down and scored a touchdown. But Jennings scores a touchdown in overtime if it's not for Chris Jones and the pressure that he was able to put on. So you got to give a nod to Chris Jones. But then when you look at some of the plays that were made defensively by the Chiefs, knocking away a deep ball, coming back after a bad penalty early on and being able to make a stop in the run game, the different things everybody with the Chiefs did They had to do it because that first half of Chiefs offense was horrible. That was was not a team I've ever seen that I've seen since Pat Mahomes got there. Fumbles all the time. Guys not getting open. Guys complaining. I mean, it was a bad offensive set. But the Chiefs defense kept right on going. And like I said, held them to 19 points. The big question is how many people thought it was a terribly boring Super Bowl. I... Don't like, like, I love defense. I am totally fine with a great defensive game. But I thought early on the Chiefs' offense was so bad, it was hard for me to give the 49ers' defense a ton of credit. I thought the second half was great football, even though there still weren't a lot of points scored. I thought the second half was great football because that was a defensive battle and guys just taking barely what they could get and moving the football down the field. The difference is really simple. The Chiefs had a better coach and a better quarterback. And when you have those two things, chances are usually high that you're going to win. One more thing on the Super Bowl, and I hope to do more on the Super Bowl here in a little bit. But one thing that's really interesting about the Chiefs, whoever wins the Super Bowl gets to host the Thursday night game to start the season. So that's September 5th. If you look through the schedule of the Chiefs, they do not play the 49ers next year. So there's no chance for a Super Bowl recap. However, the Chiefs do have home games against the Bengals and Ravens. So you can go back with the great Chiefs-Bengals rivalry that has been building because of Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes. And Joe Burrow is like the only quarterback other than Pat Mahomes that can win at Arrowhead. So you've got that choice. Or do you go with the natural choice of a rematch of the AFC championship game and go Chiefs-Ravens? I'm... You might not care, Doug. Do you, I, I could see you right now listening. Why would I care about a decision that's going to be made for the September game one? I kind of am interested because it's a window into what does the NFL really think? Do they look at it and say, we always should take an AFC championship game uh, rematch? It's got to be the Ravens. That's the MVP of the league versus the MVP of the Super Bowl. No brainer. Let's do that. At the same time, if you've got a healthy Joe Burrow this year and a healthy Bengals, 
I still believe in the Bengals more than I believe in the Ravens. They're not going to make this decision until they see free agency. What's going to go on with T. Higgins? How healthy are the Bengals going to be? Are they going to be loaded again? Or is it, no, let's stick it. Let, let's stick with the Ravens. The Ravens are the safe bet. You can easily sell that one. All you have to do is say that. League MVP versus Super Bowl MVP. That's the end of the discussion. Ravens, Chiefs. But if it's a full-on Bengals team, who do you like better? Who do you think's a better team? Healthy Bengals, healthy Ravens? I think a healthy Bengals team is better than a healthy Ravens team. And I've, I can't get enough of Burrow versus Mahomes. I, I just think that's fantastic. So we'll find out. Okay, coming up next, let's look at hopefully doing a little more Super Bowl. I'm a, I want to talk to Izzy because uh, Izzy's had a crazy morning with the power outage and some of the other things that we've had going on. We also have ASU and U of A to talk about. And I want to do a deep dive into the Suns game on Saturday because I thought they were starting to build something. And then I didn't see what I wanted to see on Saturday. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally, we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. If you are listening to the podcast right now, Amazon, Google, Spotify, uh, TuneIn, and Apple Podcasts, you don't know what just happened on WTSMTV.com. But first of all, please think about becoming a member and uh, and watching the live show on WTSMTV.com. But we just came out of uh, the revenue generating portion of the program and. I was air. We were airing a whirlwind golf club at Wild Horse Pass spot, and it just made me think. Hey, let's let's talk about this. I think you know this, but in case you don't, it's coming up a week from Friday. We're we're there almost already for our next sanctioned event, Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I'm jacked up for it because of the amount of money that you get to save. Right now on the screen, Izzy has put up UnpluggedAtWhirlwind.com. So that's the website to go to UnpluggedAtWhirlwind.com. Now, you have your choice of two buttons to click on. They're two different things, okay? On the big blue button at the bottom, it says sign up today. That button is for Whirlwind Plus. So if you click on that, you're going to find information about becoming a member of Whirlwind Plus. That's different than if you want to play golf specifically. It's a great package. I highly recommend it. I would go for the year package. It's $2.99 for the year. And you get 12 straight months of the lowest tee time price for that day. So if there's a tee time price of over $200 in the morning, but it's only $100 late in the afternoon, you pay the $100 price. That's, I mean, boom. You play golf two or three times in the year, you've saved money, and you're playing a legendary course. For our outing, go up to the top, and there's an events tab. Click on the events tab is if you want to play golf with us a week from Friday. When you get there, it describes the February event. 
And then if you're interested, click on RSVP to actually book the time. But the event itself, this is where it gets me jacked up. Normally, it costs $260 to play in February. And before you say, that's outrageous, $260. Well, here's the thing. It's supply and demand. People pay that. The course is that great that golfers that come into town and want to have a great weekend, on a Friday, they pay $260 to golf. Yet, what did Sweet Lou do for us? We get it for $109 plus tax. So when you click on RSVP, you fill out your information. And then in the comments section or notes section, then fill out who would you like to be in your foursome. If there's guys that you want in your group, make sure you then include who you want in your group. Or if you're a single golfer, don't worry. Don't feel like, ah, you know, I don't want to play because I'm going to be by myself. You're in the unplugged army. There's going to be other members of the unplugged army there. So you'll just get put in with another group of guys. It's a great way to play. Meet some new people if you haven't met them. I'd love to see you out there. It would mean the world to me. Uh, We'll be out there early in the morning for breakfast. I'm going to be there. I should say early because I'm doing the show first. So I'll be out there at around 1030 to eat and then I'll warm up. We'll play and then uh, have some happy hour afterwards. Have a good time. I'd love to see you out there. More details to come on happy hour because I need to call Civlick, to be quite blunt, I find out that the, I find out that they close kind of early, and I want to see if I can get them to stay open later. And if I can't, then uh, maybe we'll shoot up to Bell's uh, afterwards and and have happy hour there. But I'll get you more information on that. Please keep listening to Doug Franz Unplugged again. That is February twenty third. Tea time start at noon. We've got the whole place booked to ourselves from 12 to 1.30 to be able to hit the course. And uh, I cannot believe we're going to get to play a $260 course for $109. That's how good Sweet Lou was to us. So a, a great savings. If that's still a little above your price range, don't worry. Just meet for a beer afterwards, and I'll tell you more details about that. Sun's a loser on Saturday. Uh, kind of a pain in the butt. 113-112. Golden State won the game. Golden State, again, another out-rebounded edge. They beat us up bad, 52-42 on the boards, and made 18 more points behind the three-point arc. There's a lot of things that we could talk about in this game, but I think the number one thing that was the most concerning, Draymond Green It was his first game against the Suns since his suspension. The last time they played the Suns is when he threw the forearm and hit Nurkic in the face. And that was one of those plays where you just know that Draymond Green as a human being is a joke. Listen, I don't mind rough play, and I'm not going to get on like a Charles Barkley for throwing elbows because Barkley didn't hide it. The way Draymond Green flails around, hits somebody in the face, and then acts like I was just trying to get away from being fouled and tries to pretend he didn't do it. I I don't like guys like that. Don't pretend. I'm not a Rodman fan. I am not a Blake Griffin fan. I am not a fan of Draymond Green. I'm not a fan of guys who don't wear it, okay? Don't act like you're – that it's a mistake, Okay, wear it. If this is who the player you are, go ahead. Okay, I I hate Bill Lambeer because he would freak out the same way. I loved Rick Mahorn. Rick Mahorn might actually do the exact same thing Bill Lambeer did. But Mahorn would just do it and like, okay, fine, you called it. I don't care that you called it. I know what I did. And I'm still the enforcer. And nobody wanted to mess with Rick Mahorn. But 
it, you're a wuss when you do it and try to act tough or act shocked that somebody called something on you like you didn't really do it you think we're so stupid that we don't see it stuff like that from Draymond Green I'm not a Draymond Green fan never will be having said that he totally dominated Nurkic Nurkic had six points six boards Draymond Green had 15.7 rebounds nine assists I don't know if Nurkic was intimidated. Nurkic tried to pretend to be tough in this game. But this is the type of game which is why you need Nurkic to be able to just be, when they have a bad center, be the best center on the court. Now, when I used to get on DeAndre Ayton, I never asked him to be better than Jokic. But I did say, and I never even asked him to be better than Embiid. But I did ask the, the number one pick in the NBA draft that year to at least be the best center on the court in the other games. And we knew he wouldn't be. We knew he stunk. Well, I shouldn't say we. There was a lot of people that argued about it. A lot of people acted like, well, it's not really this. It's not really like uh, Aiton's this. Ayton. No. Aiton is a guy that doesn't care enough to play hard every second of the game. He doesn't care enough about winning. But it doesn't mean I was going to lower the bar. It doesn't mean I was not going to talk about his ineptitude out there. The, the standard is still the standard. Well, Nurkic has been a wonderful addition to this team. One game doesn't stop him from being a wonderful addition to this team. But Nurkic got run over in this game. He got outmanned. I mean, he had his manhood taken from him by Draymond Green. And it showed that he was so worried about pretending to be able to be tough to Draymond Green. If you didn't see the game, there was a play in which Draymond Green got beat up pretty good by Nurkic on one play. And Nurkic then wanted to say, you're too small and pounded on the floor. What are you doing, Nurkic? What are you doing? You're not good enough to talk trash like that. Sorry to go with the cheesy top gun line, but you're writing checks your body can't cash. Your toughness couldn't cash. And Draymond Green made you pay. So you brought everybody into your trash-talking world because you were made to feel less of a man by Draymond Green's hit to the face. And instead, you looked much more of a man when you got hit in the face than you did in that game. So now that's a liability against the Warriors. Hopefully, Nurkic actually brings a lunch pail to the next game and sucks it up and is able to handle a center like Draymond Green. That shouldn't be too hard, and it was. The other thing uh, is you have been running around like crazy, so I totally understand if you don't have it. Is there any chance you have the uh, three-point play from Seth Curry that ended the game? Okay. Don't worry about it. For those of you who don't know, uh, we've had all kinds of internet issues today. And, and Izzy, had, like, take the short with the normal way and the long way. Everything Izzy's had to do today has been the long way. So there's just no way. But the final play for the Warriors is a three-pointer hit by Steph Curry. Okay? Not a great pass. Curry has to reach for it, stop, turn, and shoot it. And everybody that watched it is trying to say, oh, it was so close to a steal. Bradley Beal almost had the steal. Good hustle. Nice try, Brad. No, it's not nice try. That was junior high from Bradley Beal. You learn in junior high how to deny the ball. And you come out and you have the arm that's closest to the ball actually be the one that reaches out. 
Somehow while you're in junior high, something happens, though, to you that as you just about are ready to make the steal, you drop your defense hand and you turn your shoulders to the ball and you try to catch it so you can run and get the layup. You worry more about the points than the denial. Instead of, no, get the denial first and then run after the ball that you knocked away. Denial first. It's even more important in the NBA and college when you've got a shot clock. Much more important because then you're at least eating shot clock even if you don't make the steal. If you watch the final three-pointer from Steph Curry, Bradley Beal is in a position if he keeps his eye on the ball and his defensive hand to knock the ball away. He would have been able to knock the ball away and then the Suns probably retain their two points because Curry hit the shot with about two and a half seconds left. One deflection, the clock starts, and more than likely, Curry doesn't get the ball back and the Suns win. And instead, Bradley Beal at the last second turns to be able to try to get both hands on the ball, either to score or dribble out the clock or something like that. Bad move. Bad move. So a lot of the people who really pay attention to pundits across NBA who try to break down, break down, break down that play. If they try to say, oh, it was close or, oh, Bradley Beal, no. Then they're either sucking up or they don't know what they're talking about. That's a bad play by Bradley Beal. And his defense has to get better if the Suns are going to do anything. And when I say has to get better, there are games that he's played okay defense. There, there have been some. But that's basic. And I hope one of the coaches – pull him aside and say that was a basic mistake that shows how long it's been since you really bared down to play defense since you really thought like a defensive player and that's what it's going to take that that's why you don't win a lot of playoff series Bradley Beal because we've all got to be in and think like this against one of the greatest players of all time in Steph Curry you can't get away with that that's a bad play by Bradley Beal, and it's really bothersome to me that you're at that skill level and you make that basic of a mistake. Now, have we all done it? Yeah, anybody that played basketball has done the exact same thing because it's just weird. You feel like, wait, my back is to the ball. I've got my, my hand out here, and I'm going to knock it down the court when all I have to do is turn and catch it. Well, that's why you don't do it that way. In the time it takes you to turn – and potentially catch the ball, that's the split second the ball can get by you. And it got to Curry, and boom, he hits the three. Here's Frank Vogel uh, on the game in which he's actually kind of defending the fact that they won the fourth quarter for once. Even though they barely won it, they won the fourth quarter, and he's like, everybody relax about the fourth quarter. In all of these close game situations, um, you know, help help us uh, improve our group intelligence with one another. Like we've all been in those situations late, we haven't been in a ton of them together. So, you know, all those situations will help us uh, get better a couple after. You- First of all, thanks to Dwayne Rankin. We stole the uh, – um, I didn't give him a sound credit earlier. We stole the audio from Dwayne Rankin. But Dwayne always remembered, you know, plug into the malt box. Um this part about we're, we're you know we're coming together you know our IQ is coming together in the fourth quarter with this here's what I don't like about that statement he's looking at it as if everything will be fine down the road in the fourth quarter the reason why I disagree with him is he's not calling out the effort of previous fourth quarters 
The problem with previous fourth quarters was the effort. The problem with previous fourth quarters was bad basketball IQ in a lot of those situations. And I know what he's trying to say. Oh, we're a forward-looking team. We're looking ahead. Okay, go ahead and keep looking ahead, but if you're not correcting the mistakes of the past, it's not going to get better. And that's why I don't really love that answer of he's saying that. Now, I understand what he's trying to do. Let's be clear, even though I don't like it. The reason why he's going soft is he's probably assuming we've talked about it enough as a staff to the players. We have talked about it, that we've got to play harder, defend better, take better shots, think our way through the fourth quarter. So since I have been dogging them in practice and in film study, there's no reason for me to dog them again in a post-game press conference. Therefore, I'm just going to sound positive in the post-game press conference because I feel like I've got it handled over here. I'm not saying I don't get that, and a lot of times that's appropriate, but I think that's appropriate if you think you have soft players. Yeah. If, you, if you've got a young team and you don't think I need to attack them in a post-game press conference, that's okay then. You know, as long as you're being hard on them backstage, go ahead and say whatever you need to do to be soft here. But you've got a team of veterans and you need to say, oh, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. No, you still gave up a 30-point fourth quarter just because you won the quarter. You still gave up a 30-point fourth quarter. And you're going to be shocked to hear this, Coach, but other than Steph Curry, with how bad Clay Thompson has been in the last two years and how up and down Wiggins has been, this Warriors team, there's a reason why they're barely in the playoff race. So you still allowed a 30-point fourth quarter to a team that's barely in the race. You can tell me about Steph Curry all you want, and I know how great he is. We all know how great he is. He's one of the greatest players in the history of the game. But that doesn't give you a reason to say, oh, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. Okay. If you're so sure we're going to get it, then why is Bradley Beal making junior high mistakes? Which, which way is it? So that's why I'm against the way he's handling it. I want to be fair and tell you I know how coaches think. I'm not going to bash the players in a post-game press conference. I feel like I've talked enough about fourth-quarter meltdowns to the guys personally. I don't need to say it publicly. I know that's what he's thinking, but I disagree with you. Unless your team is soft, and then, then I'm totally supportive of him going soft on them. But if you think you have a mentally tough team, then why can't they handle the truth? And why do you think the fans can't handle the truth? I didn't need, mean to walk into the Colonel Jessup line, but I got there. Um, if, you get, if you care about listening to press conferences, this was really nice of Frank Vogel. It's only 14 seconds. He was asked a horrific question. I, I don't know who this junior high girl was that was in there asking the questions, but she dropped, and it was like this, and it was like this, and it was like this. It was about a four-minute question with a whole bunch of, and like this is hard, and like Golden State was doing this. Just talk, woman. Okay, just talk. But he answered it very nicely, and eventually her question was, were you prepared for how hard Golden State drove the basketball and attacked the rim? Yeah, they're, uh, they're very good at attacking the paint. They use the three-point shot to extend defenses, and uh, over the last 10 games, they're the number one team in the league attacking the paint. So it's very difficult to guard. We can do better than we did tonight, um, but that's, what, that's one thing they're doing really well. 
I thought the backcourt in this game did a poor job of keeping the guards out of the paint. And I thought that Draymond Green did an excellent job of finding cutters. And Nurkic didn't do a great job. I don't know what Nurkic was doing. Were you in drop coverage to take away the pass to force Draymond Green to shoot? Or were you getting up on him because you don't believe he can drive on you? It seemed like Nurkic was playing in his own game plan. Listen, there's different ways to defend the Warriors. It's not like there's one way you've got to play them. But there is one thing you have to do. Five guys have to do the same thing. If Nurkic is doing drop coverage, and drop coverage is exactly like it sounds, back off. It means I don't think you can shoot. So I'll let you shoot, but I'm going to stay back. You are allowed, if you don't understand the, the defensive three seconds, if you're guarding the guy, you can stand basically wherever you want. So that's if Draymond Green has – when I, I shouldn't say if you're guarding the guy. If the guy has the ball. So if Draymond Green's got the ball – Nurkic is allowed to just stand in the paint. Hey, I'm guarding him. But you're in the passing lanes forcing Green to be able to uh, force him into a shot. But then the rest of the guys have to defend. Or if you're going to get up on him, then that means the other guys have to worry about the drive. And they need to play off their guy a little bit. You're hoping the hands of Nurkic take away the passing lanes. So then you don't try to defend every pass, unless, of course, it's Steph Curry. You're making sure your guy doesn't get a cut to the basket. And for some reason, and I I don't know what was going on, guys were slacking off their man, allowing them to get open while Nurkic was slacking off of Draymond Green. Just a... I don't think that's Frank Vogel. Now, you might be able to argue, well, he's a defensive head coach and their defense looked bad. What does that mean? I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to say, oh, you're wrong. Okay, you're, you're kind of right. But my main issue is, what is Nurkic doing? Now, the coaching issue to me is that it didn't get corrected. Like, if it happens a couple times, then I would look at Frank Vogel and say, what's going on here? How can you not get all five guys on the same page? But it was almost as if Nurkic was afraid. And that's when you just got to bench him. You just got to say, you know what, we're done with you and let Drew Eubanks in there, let Azubuke in there, and let somebody in there that's going to stay focused and do what needs to be done. Uh, I thought Nurkic played scared. I put a lot of this game on Nurkic, and I realize he's not one of the main guns. I mean, when you look at who's in charge of winning, it should be the head coach, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Bradley Beal. And Bradley Beal didn't play well either. But I didn't think Bradley Beal played poorly in a non-manhood kind of way. I thought Nurkic played scared and that kind of stuff. Go ahead, Izzy. What's a duck to I will agree with you to an extent. I don't think he played scared. I just think he tried to find every way imaginable to try to disrespect Draymond Green and his game. So he tried to play him lightly and Draymond Green just attacked him. Yeah. So and and I agree with you 100 percent Yes, you gotta bench him at that point. You should have, you should have benched him at, at halftime. That's a really good point. Um if you didn't see the game, it was clear that Nurkic was really focused on upstaging green instead of focused on winning. And that's a great point. I still stand by looking at Nurkic that I think he came into this game wanting to prove that I was disrespected by getting hit in the face. And when it didn't go his way, I thought he got scared. Like, uh uh-oh, now what do I do? (laughs) And and then was just – it messed with his head because he has not had games where he was gone mentally really, that I remember. He might have, and I'm forgetting, over the course of a long season. I thought he was gone mentally in this game, but you're absolutely right. And I love that message that should have been sent. If Frank Vogel benches him 
and basically tells them after the game, what was more important to you? Just ask him the question. Beating Draymond Green or the Suns winning? I think he would have been forced to admit it was more important to him to get back at Draymond Green, especially on national television. And that's not winning basketball at all. The only player that's allowed to do that is Michael Jordan. (laughs) Michael Jordan, for some reason, just invented ways to get pissed off and then took it out on the other team. And guess what happened? Then the Bulls would win because Michael's Michael's mad. And that's okay. Because when Michael gets mad, the Bulls win at even a higher clip than they do when he's just out there playing. Because when he's out there playing, he's still better than everybody else. But when he's mad, he's the best the planet has ever seen. And he's usually the best the planet has ever seen even when he's not mad. But you get the point. With this, Nurkic, you getting mad and wanting to show Draymond Green disrespect, you're not good enough to make a one-man mission and lead the team to a victory. Now, when I say get mad, yeah, I would love for Nurkic to get mad and box out like a man-child. I would love him to get mad and get every offensive rebound. I would love him to get mad and attack the hoop when he gets the basketball. I lo- That's different than just saying, I want to embarrass you. And he was so focused on Draymond Green. Here's the thing, even though I can't stand Draymond Green, never mistake this. Draymond Green is unbelievably selfish when it comes to him wanting to get revenge. But he's also smart in this light. He usually, when he gets when he gets himself ejected, he usually gets somebody else ejected, and that somebody else is normally better than he is. <laughs> so it's a good thing for the Warriors. Or his fire used to be a positive because referees went a long time and allowed it to happen. And he got away with a lot more than anybody else. I thought Doris Burke made a great point in the broadcast. And keep in mind, uh, just so you know, I'm a huge fan of Doris Burke, the sideline reporter. I'm not a huge fan of Doris Burke, the color analyst. And before anybody freaks out with with, with a sexism accusation, because I'm saying that about a woman, no, there's the uh, the color analyst for the Kings, and the and I'm sorry, I don't know their names, and the color analyst for the Brooklyn Nets. Both women, both fantastic. And I would love to see Ali LaForce do uh, color. Uh, Ali LaForce is a great sideline reporter. For those of you who don't know, she was a Division I point guard. She knows the game very, very well. So I would have no problem if Allie LaForce was doing color. But with Do- and listen, Doris Burke knows the game. It's just I don't like her style. And, and some of the points she makes are just a little bit too elementary. And, and that's why I'm not really a fan of hers. But the reason why I, I brought up Doris Burke is the point she made was when they called the technical foul on Draymond Green. I, can't, I think it was Booker. I can't remember for sure. Booker seemed to bump him in the hip. Draymond Green scored. I thought it should have been an and one. But I understood the ref letting it go. I, just, I think they missed it, but okay, whatever. Draymond Green threw a fit like an eight-year-old. And for the last couple of years, they've always just ignored it. It's like, okay, that's Draymond. So we're not going to give him a T. But if another player did the same thing, we're going to call a T on them. But since it's Draymond, we're going to say, you know what? Draymond, your explosion is less than the normal Draymond Green explosion. So we're not going to tee you up on that. 
And she made the point, if you want it to stop, call it consistently. That's a T on everybody else. Call it right now. And she really praised the officials for giving a technical foul to Draymond Green. One last point on the Doris Burke thing, and now that Doc Rivers is gone. Can I just laugh at ESPN? I've been around bosses like this forever. So many bosses just feel like we've got to make a change for no reason. You, if you wanted to have Jeff Van Gundy or have Mark Jackson do something a little different, talk to him about it. You know, they are two coaches who want to get better. Figure out what you don't like about it and have them change. The idea that Doc Rivers and Doris Burke, irrelevant to the fact that Doc's gone, the idea that those two were going to be better than Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson is such an idiotic decision made by a bunch of suits who just like to change things for the sake of change instead of actually understanding what do we have here. And they deserve the situation they're in right now. You're telling me the best color analyst in all of basketball, your number one person should be Doris Burke? I have a sneaking suspicion when we get to the NBA Finals, they're going to put somebody else in that group. And they're going to say it, why not? This person's earned it. And in truth, it's going to be a massive recantation when they say, yeah, we screwed this up. And that's why they're adding a third person. Steve McCollum is standing by to uh, to start the main event. It gets underway at 8 o'clock this morning. And uh, Steve, man, there's so much to do today. And I'll just, I'll just open it up. What's the number one thing that you can't wait to start the main event with today? Uh, we're going to start the Waste Management Open. Uh, you know, start with that. Obviously, local. Uh, obviously, huge uh, Super Bowl talk coming our way. And then uh, NBA. I uh, completely disagree with you on your um, Beal You love Doris Burke? Steph Curry. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah no. Uh, just because, man, if you make Steph make a shot like that, hey, what do you do? You tip your cap and you walk off. Well, I'm fine with Steph's shot. I'm saying that's just basic defense that you don't turn your body to the ball. You keep going with your with your out, outstretched arm, yeah, but the your way, defense arm. But the way Steph caught that and then uh, turned and shot it, uh, uh, look, nobody else is making that oh, shot. Oh, I'm not saying anything about his defense on Steph Curry. Yeah. I'm just talking about the ball. If he touches no, the ball, yeah, yeah. the game's over. No, I get it. And yeah. that's the only way to touch the ball is to keep out with your yeah. outstretched defensive arm. Uh, yeah, yeah, just nitpick at that point aren't you no <laughs> i mean that's you win the game i mean if you do it right you win the game that's uh, you, why you, like you win the game of 99 percent of the time and uh, steph doesn't make that shot right so uh super bowl was uh entertaining i thought um i'm glad you said the, that I the agree. amount of people that don't didn't think it was exciting don't just they just watch football on the surface level there's nothing wrong with that but that was a heavyweight fight especially in that second half and if you don't recognize that uh, you're, you're just not – you're Love just a casual football yeah, fan yeah. because that was just a clobber knocker, right? Chase Young showed up yesterday, guys. <laughs> he knew that there was a game. Chase, man. Uh, you know, it was fantastic. Uh, I thought it was fa- – and the worst part was the overtime ruined all my bets. I had all the bets won except for, of course, Chiefs winning unless, if they didn't win it. But I had every bet won I placed until overtime. Really? Yeah. And, and then I what? Had under like, 40, did you have a bunch of unders? Yeah, and- I had under 46 and a half. I had Brock uh, under like 246 yards at the uh, 286 yeah, yards. Yeah. He was 222 at the end of the fourth quarter. And then, of course, he hits it, you know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, all of them except Travis Kelsey. Uh, no touchdown. I, I did put money on him. I had faith in him. But 
Yeah. Well, I, th- and that's a little bit of a, a of a shocker that the way he was used, but you could tell the oh. 49ers were saying we are not going to lose this game because of Travis Kelsey. Here's and yet he still sh- had nine receptions. I I said this back in the Baltimore game two weeks ago. It's shocking how much he has taken out, uh, and, and what portions of the game they did. Yes, they took him out in end zone chances yesterday. Yeah, yeah. If they were anywhere close to the end zone, they were like Kelsey out. That's what's shocking me. That is a uh, guy that has a diminished capabilities and the Chiefs know it uh, and they take him out because if anything you think you'd be better I was shocked I don't understand I was really shocked by that and I they've been doing it for a while though yeah people don't pay attention to it I think I don't remember them doing it until December and I don't mean yeah and I don't know why like I like I see your point I'm not arguing I just yeah I I, really is he really that low on the totem pole you think he would be better in those short yards yeah he ended up he had one catch for like eight four yards or something at halftime yeah ended up with nine and 93 at the end so he's still performing out there in the open field at least but that tells you they're worried about something in that end zone side where he's struggling uh, to get open and he says he's coming back yeah i'm the only thing i i can think of when i noticed it but i admit i haven't i haven't seen him get blown up to know this for sure is that he was never a great blocker, but he was okay. Yeah. And I wonder if Andy Reid is thinking your blocking is now not good enough in the tight circles. So therefore, if I put you in, the whole world knows you're only there to catch a pass. Yeah, but you that's can't. It. But you can't stop him. How many times has he got a ball yeah, that defender I, draped on him? I'm shocked. I'm literally shocked by this second game in a row now where he gets taken out in the end zone. And I thought for sure they'd leave him in for a couple, but I was yeah. wrong. That's why I put the little five dollar bet on him to catch a touchdown now uh, it's just something to watch i found it fascinating i i'm excited to, to hear your conversation with dale today coming up on the main event i don't know if you plan on touching on it so sorry to drive your show but i'm interested right. in both of your opinions on this is that i everyone's sugarcoating it acting like it was okay i don't understand how it's ever okay don't tell me oh he's a competitor it's never okay to chest bump your head coach in frustration to try to bump your head coach. But that wasn't a chest bump. That was a knock him over. Yes. That was a veins popping out of your forehead in anger in the first quarter. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think we talked about this leading into this game. I was worried about the Chiefs' focus. They were, what, complaining about the field, the UNLV field. They were complaining about – No, that was know, the 49ers complaining about the UNLV, UNLV field. No, uh, Chiefs were on the UNLV field, weren't they? No, because here's how that works. Am I backwards? If, yeah, a little bit. If, if you're the home team, you get the – NFL stuff that's the only reason why home field advantage matters so the Chiefs were the home team so they got the Raiders locker room the Raiders practice facility and all that I thought the, the I thought the Raiders didn't let them didn't uh, anyway I'm confused yeah it's me. okay but, th- th- yeah but the focus to. in the first uh was worrisome for me going to that game yeah. and that showed it right with Kelsey You're flipping right out at Andy Reid right off the bat uh, it's never okay I don't like you can yell I'm with you. You totally. can yell at your head coach if you're upset about something, but to actually make contact yes. when he's not looking on top of it. Yes. No, it's never okay. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And uh, I, I don't like the way everyone's sugarcoating and acting like it's okay <laughs> just because he has a pretty girlfriend. Yeah, no, well, you know you don't run into your coach. I, I had several people yesterday on Facebook, like friends of mine, family members that were like, Man, Travis Kelsey is kind of a punk. <laughs> and I was like, he's always been this way. Yeah. You guys yeah. are just noticing it because he's he's uh Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Yeah, I'm totally. Uh, but he has you. always been that guy on the field. He's never been 
of sane mind. He's always been a little bit out there. Uh, and uh, it's just now people are noticing it. And, uh, you know, I've always, he's always rubbed me the wrong way. So it's funny that people are coming around to my I, side I, I, I get it with you. And that's why I do always like to talk about Jerry Rice and Larry Fitzgerald because, of course, they had egos. Yes. But they are, the to me, the two greatest receivers of all time. And they never have these outbursts uh, that are yeah. public. They, they they would have them you know quietly well, on the other sidelines. They would get on people, no doubt. But that was never about them. It's never. It's all your fault. You're not getting me the yes, ball. Yeah. When all there's there's divas like this. Can you imagine a left tackle going ballistic because you're helping me too often? <laughs> I can handle this. Let know, leave me alone. It's you know. Even worse. Travis Kelsey never goes after Mahomes because they're best buddies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes after Andy Reid instead. I'm with That's you. what bothers me a little bit. Is he's he's got that. Uh, uh, no, they can't do anything to me because my homes won't let you. Yeah, attitude yeah. to him and that bothers me more than anything. Well, there's there's one of us out of the three people in the room right now that has been Michael Irvin's teammate. So I can't wait no. to. Oh no, he no Dale. no he says that all the time. Michael yep. Irvin, if you watch him play, you're very he's very egotistical. Whatever yep. he said, he was the best teammate ever, I've which allowed this. him to do that stuff, and nobody cares. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. Main event coming up. Uh-oh. I am uh, – I'm not worried because I was close, but still, I told you, you probably should stop listening because this streak is going to punch me in the face. And uh, when I said that, I got one more in. I went 2-0 and one more day, and then since, now I'm 0-3, over my last three. Totally screwed up on Friday and did not make a Super Bowl prediction. I, I was just – just being a bad talk show host. There's no way. There's no way around it. So I get no credit for uh, for anything Super Bowl wise. I told you on Thursday that we had a pick for Thursday that we wouldn't be able to talk about until Monday. I told you I really like Justin Thomas in these conditions and the way he's playing to finish in the top ten. No, he was twelfth. He was one stroke out of the top ten, and we had great juice on that one. That one hurt. That one stunk that we didn't nail that one. I said he'd be in the top 10. He finished at 12 under. If you would have finished at 13 under, one more birdie, he would have been in eighth place, and we would have gotten the top 10. Instead, I think he finished in 12th, just out of the top 10 with his 12 under. So that stunk. And then uh, on Friday, I, I like New Orleans uh, plus the points over, or no, minus, I think it was minus one and a half over the Lakers. Just got destroyed on that one. Absolutely destroyed. Lakers won Friday, 139-122. So that gives me 0-2 now on Thursday. We got to go back to that. 0-1 on Friday. That puts the record at 11.05-966-9. We are still, however, above the 53% threshold. That means you would have made money if you stuck with me all throughout this. But little, you know, 0-3 when you miss it by uh, Justin Thomas birdie. One, okay. Well, we'll get over that one. But we need to get right today. And there's no games that are back-to-backs and no good college games where I feel like I have an edge. So I've got a, a little bit of a stretch to go outside my realm, but I still feel good about these games. Coyotes and, and uh, Flyers are today. And I think the over-unders, the total's a little low. And the total's at five and a half. I'm not really gung-ho about the Coyotes winning this game. I would take the Flyers, but the money line juice isn't very good. 
but I do think there's going to be some scoring. Both teams are rested. Connor Ingram hasn't been as good lately, and I don't think the Coyotes are going to get shut out. So I think we can get over the five and a half goals. So I'm going to take the over the total for Yotes and Flyers. And then one other game, I'm going to take Steve McCollum's Vegas Golden Knights. There is great juice on them covering the puck line today over Minnesota. I should probably just take it on the money line, take a lower juice, and you're not going to make as much money, but you're going to get the pick right and you win. So there's a good chance I'm going to lose because Vegas wins by a goal, and I've got them winning by two or more. But I like, I love that juice on a team that good at home. And Minnesota is above average. Minnesota's okay. But I really like when I get a team as good as the Golden Knights that's rested and at home. I think I'm going to take them on the puck line. So I got Yotes and Flyers over the total of five and a half, and I got Vegas winning by a goal and a half against Minnesota, and hopefully we restart the hot streak and get things going. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Unplugged Army, I can't thank you enough for your patience today. To have a massive power outage be off for 20 minutes, uh, we had a lot of internet problems early in the morning, and I wasn't able to get you the sound that I wanted to go through and really dive deep into some of the comments of Pat Mahomes that really really were entertaining and it really showed you a window into his soul he even went so far as to still credit alex smith for teaching him what it takes to be a professional quarterback and i think a lot of you know the story but in case you don't they drafted pat mahomes while they still had a playoff quarterback in alex smith pat mahomes didn't start until the last game of his rookie year and he only started that one because their seed was already locked up and then yet after that boom, you're the guy, and he became the starting quarterback in his quote-unquote sophomore year in the NFL. And he still reached back and gave all the credit to Alex Smith and teaching him, and then all the credit to the defense, and then all the credit to Andy Reid. Even though all of us say, Pat, it's all you, here he was deflecting. And I thought that that was really, really powerful. So I apologize for not getting that to you today, but I, I really appreciate your patience and sticking with me unplugged army uh if you want to stop by and have a beer with me tomorrow i'm going to be at bell's nashville kitchen i uh i'm I'm getting the bet paid off if you remember rich and brad of the organic football show bet me when i was talking about the rams earlier in the playoffs i got it right and brad owes us lunch so we're going to bell's nashville kitchen tomorrow have a beer they might have that nashville hot chicken sandwich i'm definitely going with the iceberg wedge with the spicy mother clucker chicken fingers on top it's fantastic so it's it's not a big business meeting if you want to meet with us please come out and have lunch with us as well or or just stop by for a beer and i'll get a beer with you right after lunch whatever you want but i just want to let you know that i'll be out there and i'd love to see you Best breakfast burrito you'll ever have is Burrito Express. Seven locations all across the east side. And if you want a great sports bar, choose the one in Chandler, that's the Rosati's that supports us, the one at Ray and McQueen. That one. And uh, don't forget, this is a crazy week. It started, just so you know, 41 degrees this morning. It ends Friday at 78 degrees, bright sunshine. That means you're going to go back and forth from heater to air conditioner all week. That is murder on your system. You do what you've got to do. 
but just make sure you have the number ready. 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602, the number 2, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. They show up on time every time we've ever called them. They've got the problem solved the first time every time we've ever called them. And they've also handled all of our uh, water ideas. We have a tankless water heater. We have a reverse osmosis system. We have uh, salt water. We have all of that stuff. And the reason why is because Parker & Sons is the easiest to deal with, the most trustworthy, and I knew how much it would benefit the family. And that's why uh, that's why we did it. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. And yes, Kyle Shanahan, you do have to wear it. 0-3 is a play caller when having a double-digit lead in the Super Bowl. Don't make excuses. Wear it, earn it, love it, and enjoy it. And Unplugged Army, hopefully I'll see you next Friday when we are out at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass with the tee time starting at noon. Go to UnpluggedWhirlwind.com to get yourself signed up and join us. That's UnpluggedWhirlwind.com. Waste Management Phoenix Open and Super Bowl coming up on the main event. I'll see you tomorrow.